Hey, everybody. Before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You can also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it. But today is a special episode. It's the first of a series that we're planning on doing a lot of. This is called Breaking It Apart. These are going to actually work as kind of backwards episodes. And instead of looking at a uh, new movie and trying to figure out what other movies inspired it, we're going to look at a older classic movie and figure out what movies were inspired by it. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun way for us to plan out some episodes that are about older movies, movies that we love, and uh, really just mix up the formula of the show a little bit and try different things, because uh, I love the usual piecing it together format, but it's cool to be able to do different episodes and really keep the show fresh and try all different kinds of stuff on this show, Um, which speaking of the show, you should be subscribed to it. If you're not yet, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, pretty much any podcast app out there. You can subscribe. You could also rate and review us on iTunes. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And you can join our Facebook discussion group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. Uh, make sure you're in there because we've been having a lot of fun in there and we want you to be a part of it. So today, our very first Breaking It Apart special episode is on the cult classic The Big Lebowski. Uh, I would hope that if you're listening to my show, you are a fan of The Big Lebowski. I'm sure it's not for everyone. It is a cult classic. Um, Not everybody always loves movies like this, but... um, it's so good. It, it's truly one of the all-time funniest movies. It's a movie I've seen countless times. It's a movie I'm planning on seeing again this coming Wednesday, um, which is August 8th. And Fathom Events is putting on the Big Lebowski 20th year anniversary. Uh, they're doing screenings at theaters all across the country, and I encourage you to go check it out. If you've never seen The Big Lebowski before or if you've seen it a million times, uh, seeing it in a theater with a crowd, it's going to be a blast. Uh, but if you don't know about The Big Lebowski, it is a dark comedy. It's a mystery. It's a modern film noir. It is all kinds. of. It's a stoner comedy. I mean, it's so many different things rolled into one. It's also the pretty much ultimate example of why the Coen brothers are just such 
magical directors and writers. Um, but we are going to get into that a lot during this conversation. Uh, me and my co-host for this episode, Chris Cranock, who you've heard on a bunch of regular Piecing It Together episodes. I'm glad to have him here for the first Breaking It Apart special episode. Uh, he obviously knows a lot about the history of cinema and so it's great to get him in here talking about what makes the cohen so special and i hope you enjoy this episode let's check it out all right so we are here with our Whoa, what, how many times you've been on this show, Chris? This is your fourth time? This is my fourth. He's holding up the four right there. I like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, Boom. that was good. That was good. This is your fourth time <laughs> on the show. It is. And I'm glad that I got you here for the first Breaking It Apart bonus special episode. Um, I feel very special and broken apart. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Were you were you sitting on that one? Did you have that plan? No, that, that just, just I just came cuff? up right now. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. That was yep. great. <laughs> <laughs> so we we've talked about uh, doing these episodes before, so that's why you were definitely uh, one of the co-hosts I've had that I had in mind for the first time in doing this. So I'm glad that you are here for this, for the first one. Well, I'm glad too, as always, I'm really honored that you have asked me to do this and that you want me back. And so Absolutely. I'm waiting for your followers and listeners to be like, stop asking this guy to come yeah. back. Yeah. They're going to give me an ultimatum. Shining. Yeah. No more Chris or, or unsubscribe. <laughs> we're going to jump. Yeah. We're going to abandon ship. Getting rid of our iPhones. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> so for this first, uh, this first one of breaking it apart, we are doing the classic, cult classic, really, The Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought it would be a perfect time to do this because Fathom Events is having their, I think it's 20th anniversary. Yeah, um, it's hard streams. to believe that it's been 20 years already. Yeah, it's pretty damn wild. Um, <laughs> actually, a quick story before we jump in. Um, the first time I saw Big Lebowski was actually on opening day. I was in wow. senior high school. I don't know why we did this, but my mom and I skip school to go see it i i wasn't like an indie film kid in high school like right. i don't know why i would be looking forward to a new coen brothers movie yeah i don't know why my mom was for whatever reason we both really wanted to see it <laughs> and she was like well why don't we just you know you don't go, go to school today yeah go see it well, i always i would always if there's any excuse not to go to school yeah i would go and yeah. i would skip school often to go see movies but rarely with my mother's so yeah i that's know really cool that she took you to see the, to the, the big lebowski well part two of that story is one of my teachers was sitting two rows ahead of me <laughs> in, the class, in the uh in the theater that's so, amazing yeah that's pretty awesome yeah. that teacher is probably really cool i don't remember his name though <laughs> uh, i mean it's funny because that was this is their follow-up to fargo right Right. So, and I think Fargo was what really put them like on the world stage yeah. because, you know, they had Hudsucker Proxy and they had Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink mm -hmm. and all of them were kind of like these little underground movies. I mean, they're popular and they're really making a name for themselves, but then Fargo busted it wide open. Sure. Yeah. And so the, uh, the anticipation for their follow-up of like, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to match this? Yeah. Is, I think was the kind of feeling. And then they came out with this truly original movie and I was thinking about it on the way over here, like what I wanted to say about it, because it's kind of a hard movie to put into words in general. It so, is. Yeah. But yeah. it's because it's it, why it's great is because it's hard to summarize in an easy sentence. It sounds so stupid on paper. And it's one of those <laughs> things where you're like, how did this movie come into being? Like the, the, it kind of shows the the genius of the Coen brothers, you know, cause they're great craftsmen, yeah. but really how their brain works, I think is one of the, what makes them so special. And this is an example. It's like, 
this movie just poofed into existence out of their crazy brains. Yeah. And uh, it's, that's why it's as iconic as it is. So maybe you and your mom wanted to see it off the, off the, ta- the uh, coattails of Fargo. That is very possible. I think my mom loved Fargo. So yeah, that is yeah. very possible. It's a great, yeah. and, that, and that is a great film too. Yeah. It's, I'm always torn between like their objectively best film, not just what I love the most, uh-huh. you know, because, but like uh, No Country for Old Men or Fargo always ends up on like from my, I think their best. Sure. But I think probably their most beloved yeah. And maybe their most original, uh, even though sometimes you know it can wear its influences on its sleeve, is The Big Lebowski. There's something kind of quintessentially Cohen about it. Yeah, it also is kind of um, yeah, like you said, quintessentially Cohen. It's got all of their things in it. Yeah, like you know, and even um, like now with the Fargo TV show, they seem to be doing like a lot of callbacks to Big Lebowski mm-hmm. to like, but to their entire career of the Cohen brothers. Um, it's kind of like an homage to to them and everything they've done, not just Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Big Lebowski seems to be like the the biggest thing where you see all kinds of references. And yeah. Like, like, oh, I totally picked that up. Right. Know? Well, it's become so much a part of the movie lexicon and, you know, yeah. the kind of the shorthand movie culture. We, you know, it's such there's even like the Lebowski Fest. And, yeah. You know, people almost like cosplay it, you know, so it's it's really kind of superseded any kind of influence that I think their other films have had. Yeah, because it's gone beyond, I think, just the movie world or the critical world. But it's just like there's such a huge fan base and a love for it. And the dude has now become so iconic. Such a character, like such a perfect character. And John Goodman's character as well. I mean, just yeah. Yeah. But I mean, all of them, really. There's so many. (laughs) I, I think that's like one of the main things that makes uh, like as we're going to get into our puzzle pieces, um, you know, one of the main things that makes a movie, you know, quote unquote, inspired by the Big Lebowski is just this, this, like, this idea of trying to get so many colorful characters into a story and make them all work together in a way that works, you yeah. know, um, not, not just trying to force in extra characters. They're all, they all have their own, like, fully realized thing going on right. and they're all so different but they all exist in this world and it's it's really a, a balancing act yeah it really is and it's kind of one of their strengths as we're you know because they've done it in you know in after the, the big lebowski as well which not to get it kind of ahead of ourselves into the puzzle pieces but that i have more to baby basically say about that because sure. i think one of my puzzle pieces goes into how they've actually inspired themselves in their later films kind of how they honed the uh the kind of setup or the structure that they used with Big Lebowski, how they kind of went on to further hone it and, and uh, polish it with other films. So yeah, yeah, that's that kind of idea of all these amazingly brilliant, hilarious, bizarre characters. Uh, Their dialogue is so strong, Mm -hmm. uh, which sometimes I feel like some writer director, you know, combinations that they let their dialogue overwhelm the scene. They kind of like hearing themselves talk through other characters. And for me, the Coens, they just have this like endlessly brilliant quotable dialogue that never really overwhelms the character like or, or, or the story or anything. It just fits so beautifully. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, the best example is the John Goodman character <laughs> because he speaks almost poetically in the absurd shit that he says. It's hard yeah. to even think about it. It's him. hard I'm to fathom. To laugh yeah, like... it's, it's hard to fathom that it was didn't exist at one point. Yeah. Was created in a room, in a room on paper yeah. <laughs> and was given to John Goodman, who then made it high art. Yeah. yeah it's really kind of weird to think about the genesis of how their screenplays come to be yeah and how then they're so you know perform so brilliant it's otherworldly yeah it really is yeah it's that's the thing is that what makes them that's what makes the coens as crazy i think as they are that we just don't i can't really understand how they exist yeah how their movies actually are finished and they got that take and they put it in a film and now it's saved forever and how lucky we are 
that it is it's like that you it's know? so true yeah. yeah lucky lucky is a good word you yeah. know it's like wow we get to live when coen brothers movies exactly happen. yeah exactly and, and even their bombs are great oh, you know, when yeah. they, they take risks and they don't always make like the best movie or whatever and but there's something so memorable about the feeling and the atmosphere of all of their movies uh even the ones i don't particularly love there's something really good about it that you can cherish and then when they're great they're unbelievably great like i'm 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 also obsessed with like a serious man like mm-hmm. i think that's like oh, the, i love i well, i watch all the time i, I yeah. quote it all the time you can ask anyone that knows me i quote it to an annoying degree actually i don't know if you've ever noticed my facebook uh in my about section uh-huh. my quote is please accept the mystery <laughs> culture clash yeah it's not a culture clash uh, unless your culture is to bribe people yeah <laughs> it, it is i didn't order santana abraxas no I'm just i won't finish it I, don't get me started yeah right <laughs> it would be so easy to just keep going yeah, i will i'll give you the entire i'll give you all of um of uh cy abelman's dialogue oh my god from memory no i won't <laughs> that that's totally off subject but honestly anytime he shows up in a movie i'm just so happy Oh yeah, that, that guy, one of the best character actors. Fred ever. Melamed, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh he's a, he was great in Lady Dynamite. I don't know if you oh, saw him yes. in that. So good. And, he is so good in yeah, that. It's excellent. just unbelievable. And a lot of great early Woody Allen films he's in yeah. during the eighties, actually. Yeah. So he's really great. But he's so good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but so, he fits into that whole fabric we're talking about. Like yeah. there's these actors that just somehow fit into the Cohen world. Yeah. And I think we were, you know, with Fargo. I think we that start. I think that was where we really started seeing that, and then Big Lebowski just confirmed it that they are world builders. Yes, you know, and they're going to have all these beautiful characters that kind of fall in and out of it. Another thing, uh, I I don't think we really mentioned, but like aside from just all these characters that all like kind of fit together, but all the multiple stories that they're weaving Mm -hmm. like in and out, like there's always so many A and B and C and D (laughs) plots, you know, that are all the tapestry. Yeah. And they, they all tie together and they all pay off. Yeah. And and that comes from, I think the Coen's love of like the noir subgenre and the detective novel, which of course, Big Lebowski is, is heavily influenced by the detective era of Raymond Chandler. Yeah. The big sleep, the big Lebowski. So it's kind of like a 1940s LA crime story somehow mixed with like the late 90s spiritual movement like the hindu kind of vibe <laughs> and it's because there's something very it's far uh, out man yeah it's something very <laughs> uh philosophical about the big lebowski which i yeah. think is another like another level it works on yeah is that it's almost kind of a buddhist film if yeah. you know i don't think that was necessarily deliberate yeah but the you know the dude abides and this kind of open-ended aspect to it and the surrealism that's in it but then with the backbone of a crime story like this kind of hard-boiled 1940s plot it i mean it's such a weird marriage and then it just works so wonderfully that's another thing about uh lebowski specifically but also the coens in general is a lot of times a lot of the things that i love so much about them you have to wonder how much of it they intended and how much of it is just kind of magic. Like, um, you know, what, one of my favorite, you know, little Coen brothers facts is uh, the fact that you never see the dude bowl, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, like things like that. Like, did they write that or did they just yeah. not ever write a, a, 
a scene, scene with that. Scene where he bowls. Yeah, like yeah, it's a good point. Like that. That's just that. Like that magic of this that I think is so influential mm -hmm. and which makes it such a good movie to talk about. Right. Something well, like this. There's only a handful of directors out there where people will read into things like that yeah. and they will then give the directors credit. Yes. You know, they're like, yeah, though the dude never bowls. That could very easily be an oversight. Yeah. And they were like, no, it's there's making a point. Yeah. And that's kind of the you know the Coens have that kind of gravity about them we trust them so much that yeah. we're like well they couldn't possibly forget something yeah or you know what's nice <laughs> is their movies are often about clumsy stupid people yeah making all kinds of errors and mistakes so when maybe they make one it just fits better into the fabric of the movie and so <laughs> they've either either geniuses or they you know we they just got lucky and so i don't know i'm going with genius yeah sure. i mean yeah. well yeah i think they're geniuses <laughs> maybe no matter what yeah but they also you know geniuses get lucky too sure so maybe they... <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well uh you know with that i think you think we could uh, get into these puzzle pieces i'm ready all right I'm ready um, if you are i will let you go ahead and go first Okay, so I'm going to get one out of the way mm -hmm. here because I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually have one that I don't like on here myself. Oh, okay. But, I'm yeah. excited. That's yeah. just, that's talk some shit for a minute. Yeah. No, uh, so I'm going to start with Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice. Okay. Which is going to be the one that's right on the nose. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like it's just a flat out ripoff. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the one of the many reasons I don't like that movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it you know, that it feels to me like Paul Thomas Anderson doing the Coens, mm -hmm. uh, kind of how he's done Robert Altman or done Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, that's kind of like his thing and kind of one of the reasons why I don't particularly love his work. And he's one of those guys I think is a genius, but like I want him to break out of his influences because I think he's, there's something, if he was telling me something more original and honest, like as an artist, I think I'd like him more because as right. a craftsman, he's brilliant. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's insanely good. So, so skilled. But yeah, Inherent Vice felt like kind of just like a, flub like a flub that is like he mm -hmm. misfired and he wanted to get that weird magic of these this large tapestry type story with many characters yeah. and this kind of incoherent crime plot and the you know burned out hippie and it's like if you know if i described lebowski and described inherent vice and basically left out a carpet yeah. i don't think you'd be able to figure <laughs> out what i'm describing and right, uh, right. and uh, it just had none of the magic that you know lebowski had yeah that's yeah. that's and so yeah, inherent vice is it. I think just trying to be it in almost yeah. every way. I had inherent vice written down as well. Yeah, <laughs> you liked it more than me though, right? Am I guessing eh, right? Not really. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll we actually, finally agree. <laughs> yeah, it's actually. Um, I pretty much love all of Paul Thomas Anderson's uh -huh, other movies. Uh -huh. I it's the only one I don't like that much. I yeah, kind of feel the same way that you were just saying. It's like it feels so much like The Big Lebowski just without any of that magic <laughs> any of the charm yeah i mean joaquin <laughs> phoenix is great as always but oh, he's yeah. kind of wasted in it yeah, like yeah. you know literally um, and figuratively yeah <laughs> there you go yeah. and uh no i i completely agree one thing i was wondering um i had written down in my notes uh I, was the book as did you ever read that book uh actually i didn't know no yeah no. i wonder if the book was as much of a lebowski style thing because I, I think it did come out after it was like in the 2000s, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that was that or and if Paul Thomas Anderson was like, OK, we're going to take this book and just copy the Big Lebowski and use that as a blueprint. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a good point. Maybe the book know? even could have been Cohen influenced. Yeah, just, maybe it's less. Maybe, maybe it's less Paul Thomas Anderson's fault. Yeah. And I'm too quick to judge him. But it's possible. <laughs> but I have a feeling that. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, I don't really know if it's a conscious thing that he does that he wants to kind of 
experiment on other people's styles and things like that. Or if he, you know, he views himself as bar- borrowing from the masters. Yeah. But I think that he's so he's such a contemporary of the Coens that I don't really think he has that kind of that leeway. You know, sure. It's like I really want. I want to experience Paul Thomas Anderson's viewpoint the way I'm experiencing the Coens. Exactly. Even though they're yeah. in, in ambiguous in a lot of ways, we feel like they're being honest with us as artists. And I've just only rarely felt that with Paul Thomas Anderson. I yeah. can always kind of be like, oh, well, that's Rebecca or, oh, that's this or that's that. And again, that could all be me. I don't, I don't, you know, I could totally be up my own ass on that. <laughs> but um, I, I respect him as a craftsman without a doubt. But yeah, when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is just a bad Lebowski. Yeah. And then it when I say bad, it's bad. Disappointing. <laughs> it was a disappointing movie. I was looking so forward to it. And yeah. I, I was actually looking forward to Paul Thomas Anderson doing Lebowski. Like, because I knew ahead of time that's kind of what it was going to be. Sure, yeah. And, uh, but it just doesn't really work. Yeah. You know? thing, again, is it, does it, is it, we can say, it, you know, is it Paul Thomas Anderson's failing or is it the magic in the bottle yeah. that is Lebowski? Like, That's can so you, true. Can you really rip it off? Yeah. Which is, I think, ultimately a testament to the Coens, that yeah. they can make something that really can't be, you know, that can't, you can't become derivative. It can't be distilled down and then used again and again. You know, for instance, we still use plots that Charlie Chaplin did and you know early science uh, early silent film you know they, they made us a template and we mm-hmm. use it to this day but with something with the coens it's like it only in their hands does it actually work yeah so that, that kind of makes them a unique force in the filmmaking world is you can't really even steal from them that well right <laughs> absolutely you know yeah um so my first puzzle piece um there's the first one that i thought of when thinking about the idea of doing this kind of an episode um, it's actually Observe and Report. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good one. Um, which is a movie I haven't seen since the theater, but I remember loving it back when I saw it. Um, and it just kind of blends that same kind of just dark humor um, with with violence. It's very <laughs> dark. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, darker than Lebowski. It is. It yeah. is. It's like super, super dark. It's like Taxi Driver meets Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah meets, Seth Rogen. Meets, meets Paul Blart and Mall Cop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Paul um, Blart 2. Yeah. Um, it, it's... It's it's a great movie. It really is. I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah and and it um it's a movie that kind of came out of nowhere, and a movie that I, I think in its own right kind of became a little bit influential. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it like I said since the theater, but I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of filmmaker friends seem to really love it. It seems mm-hmm. to be a pretty big uh, influence for a lot of them, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, I think just that that the way that it really uh in a way that the Coens did balance that, that darkness and that comedy at the same time. Cause it, it has so much dark comedy, but it also has like little shining through bits of very broad comedy as yeah, well. Sure, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you get Seth Rogen in a movie, of course it's going to, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's my uh, first puzzle. No, I, yeah. I, and I can totally see it. I think that even absor- observe, pardon me and report is um, kind of ballsy yeah. because especially with Seth Rogen, who's, you know, it's crazy that he became the mega star that he did. If on, you know, again on paper, he did, you wouldn't seem like, oh, he's going to be the next leading man sure. in comedy, which is always great that he did that. And kind of like at the peak of his his resurgence or his kind of busting into fame, he made this really weird little dark comedy. Yeah, and I definitely think it's because uh, sometimes those guys are smarter than they look. Sometimes you know they'll yeah. make films that aren't yeah. particularly intelligent and they're funny or whatever, and they're mediocre. But sometimes they're very sharp. And extremely smart, and I think they they maybe they're they really appreciate the Coens because those guys are always so uh, like tack sharp yeah. about dumb people. Very rarely is there an intelligent person in the universe of the Coens. Yeah, they're usually about dumb people caught up in things that they can't even fully understand. 
And I think maybe there's something in that observe, observe and report that Seth Rogen was like, here's an opportunity to explore yeah. characters like that. That can be such a great uh, breeding ground for just beautiful, yeah. dark comedy. <laughs> it's you <know>? my favorite <laughs> kind of comedy. I yeah. mean, I very rarely like my characters to understand what scenarios they're actually in. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's almost like, you know, if you do it with a kid, for instance, it's strangely poetic or poignant. Do it with an adult, and there it's hilarious. Yeah, you know, with you know, give you know, take away faculties that adults should have, and throw them in the normal, you know, ebbs and flows of life, and it's funny, you know, yeah. because you think, oh, people should have their shit together. Most people do not. So it's a, it's a great. I mean, it can, no matter how you write it, it, it could be interesting, either tragedy or comedy. Yeah. And the Coens have kind of perfected that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But no, it's a good, I think it's a great puzzle piece. And it's kind of a, it is, it's a little bit of a sleeper hit. I know people were like disturbed by it. Yeah. Observe and report. And oh yeah. I'm happy that, you know, it's been kind of now become a cult classic in its own right. Definitely. So uh, what would your next puzzle piece be? So my next puzzle piece, before we forget, uh, mm -hmm. because we talked about it in the little intro, um, but kind of this just all focus in real quickly, how the Coens have kind of influenced themselves, but kind of maybe refining their, their laboratory project, uh, is, uh, I'd go with, Oh brother, where art thou? Okay. Uh, and the reason why I mentioned that is kind of what we're talking about with their style of this big world and characters coming in and out of it. Uh, as many of us know, uh, Oh, Bro oh brother, where art thou? was uh, directly a reference to, uh, Homer's the Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And it unfolds in that, you know, it's a, a literary allegory. It's literally uh, based on that. But I really think that a lot of the Coen brothers films borrow that structure to where, as opposed to a three act structure, where we get something in the beginning, we get a little bit in the middle and then we find resolution in the end there, they, their films wander in a much more fluid type style and characters come in and out of it. And we're introduced to important characters late into the film. Mm -hmm. And these are another thing that I appreciate. I've noticed even in my own writing that I, I, I kind of like the structure too, because it's, it's prone to surprise. You can actually surprise people more by not just setting them up for basically a punchline. Yeah. You know? So the way that they did, they worked it in Lebowski, which is again, this big world is kind of, there's a million little things happening. There's subplots going on. There's, you know, bunny with these, with these people is Lebowski and there's all these, you know, all these players in it. And then we just kind of float through the world and kind of check up on them. I think they did that to even more def like refined degree in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Sure. Uh, by actually following that literal Odyssey blueprint. I think they kind of maybe did it by accident in Lebowski. Right. And they thought, right. okay, well, let's actually use something we can like a roadmap for the next film, which wasn't their, I don't think it was, it was well, maybe it was their follow-up. I think it that. was. Yeah, yeah. it was their next film, I think. Yeah, unless so, it was, unless the Lady Killers came out after that. No, the Lady Killers came out in 2003. Okay. I think 2002. So that, so. that was like right after that. Yeah, I think it was okay. their follow-up to that. But, okay. but yeah, I think that there's that, I think there's a relationship between those two films. I think yeah. they, they, they started, and then Fargo is similar too. Again, yeah. it's a world that they're building and then all these characters come in and out. They're so colorful. So I think they're kind of refining it, refining it, refining it. And then they went back to the source and went, okay, well, let's use the Odyssey as a roadmap. Because uh, it really it it uh, really benefits our natural style. Well, you know, I didn't have this one written down as one of my puzzle pieces, but since you're bringing up Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I also think Inside Lewin Davis mm. um, absolutely is yeah. like, those are probably the two most Lebowski-like Coen Brothers movies. I agree with that completely. Um, I think they definitely go together. And, you know, I love the structure of Inside Lewin Davis, the way mm -hmm. that... Uh, it kind of loops on yeah, itself. Yeah, it's kind of like a loop on itself, which is like, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, we, we do get more of a resolution with Big Lebowski, but it is kind of like, just kind of a, 
a look into this world of these. <laughs> yeah, like, you're crazy peeking characters. in. And yeah. That's the, that allows the film to ultimately be more philosophical. That's yeah. what's really cool about it is Absolutely. that when, when you stop confining yourself to the three act structure, or when you allow your audience to not anticipate where the film's going structurally. The yeah. thing is, they not everyone's a film scholar, but we yeah. we watch so many films, we kind of sense where they're going to go, how they're going to play out. I mean, you know, people are very perceptive that way. So this very, even though it's an ancient structure all the way to the Odyssey, yeah. it's still a nice way to break it up and then give yourself room to be more philosophical or to make more artistic points because it's a harder route to track. Yeah, I mean, we're just kind of weaving through this world and like we keep, you know, new people are coming in all the time. So it just, there's, it's, there's more surprise. There's more, uh, uh, it opens itself up to confusion and humor and philosophical points and open-endedness. And so all those things are kind of uh, made popular by the Coens too. Sure. They get away with murder oh, ever yeah. since they won an Oscar. They're, go yeah, they're, they just, they're going nuts. Which yeah, I'm I, I can't with. think of any other filmmakers that are able to stretch out that, that Oscar win and get to do whatever <laughs> they want to do after. Like It's rare. Yeah, they're still doing it. Yeah. Like, they're still I mean, doing whatever they want. To you know? think their follow-up to No Country Old Men was Burn After oh, Reading, which is that so they great. wrote it I simultaneously. Love, I know I it's a great it. film. I know it's hilarious. <laughs> so funny. John Malkovich is like one of their great characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, to think that they wrote that simultaneously, that yeah. on Tuesday they would write No Country, that on Wednesday they'd write Burn After after reading to it, it's hard those, to fathom those brains that brain yeah. oh my god yeah pretty amazing so yeah no i think Crazy. they very much started honing this aspect of their craft yeah it's now bleeding into a lot of their work <laughs> so uh my next puzzle piece um and this one might seem a little out of left field but uh it, it i i feel it deals with characters in a similar way. Mm -hmm. And um, it also has an attention to detail to a different, uh, a, a different era. Whereas Lebowski is the nineties. This is the seventies, but it's the nice guys. Oh yeah. I have those on my list. Did you? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I, I didn't think you would, but it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, uh, the nice guys, which is one of my favorite movies of the last few years. Yeah. Um, I, I just love that movie, but just, it's such a big, colorful cast. There's so, like, so many, like, memorable characters. They all are, like, like we were just talking about, they're, they're intertwining in ways that you wouldn't expect. You just, they show up here, and they, then they kind of, they go off and do their own thing, but then all, they're going to end up coming back later in the story. Right. And uh, it also mixes, there's a lot of dark humor in there, along with some very broad humor. It's like, it just kind of mixes it up, and... Uh, really fun ways. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, it's funny that you, one of the things that really stuck out about why you said it's a puzzle piece is the attention to detail yeah, yeah. of the period. And I think that's something, again, the Coens have kind of cornered the market yeah. on picking recent past stories and yeah. then making you feel like you're really in that, those moments. Usually period pieces are like seventies and before, yeah. but they've done the 1990s. Uh, which they were still in there, but they did like 1992 or 1993 <laughs> right. you know, from 1998 for Lebowski. And then they did the 80s for No Country for Old Men. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was I think that's kind of a strange stroke of genius to go back only a few years oh, yeah. and see how much the world has changed and used. Because, I mean, in Lebowski, there's kind of a weird uh, political parallel because yeah. they're following, you know, the first Iraq war. And there's almost there's all kinds of conspiracy theory. I don't want to say maybe conspiracy is too strong, but theories about how that's like a political comment yeah. and things like that. Because, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, it's really interesting. And no, I can de I mean, definitely saw the parallel in terms of just its style, its vibe. Yeah, I was gonna say the the 
the gentleman's name has escaped me, but the guy who wrote and directed Nice Guys, uh, uh, Shane Black. Shane Black, thank yeah. you. I want to say Lance Black, but that, it's, that's not it. No, uh, Sounds like a porn star. Yeah, it does it. Lance Black. <laughs> Shane Black, because uh, I, I also kind of threw in as a little sub, little sub note, mm-hmm. was um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think all of Shane Black, probably everything he does, it was he just soaked up Big Lebowski. Yeah. I think it's, I think he... My guess is he really related to it. He probably loves it. And it doesn't feel like he's ripping it off. It really feels like he has an original voice. I think he's a really talented guy. Uh, he's doing the new Predator, uh-huh. which I'm excited about because it's just a gigantic Predator. That's yeah. the premise, <laughs> is that it's Predator, but he's bigger. I, I'm so I'm torn on that. that movie because like, <laughs> I, it's such a bad trailer. Oh, it's horrible. It's the worst trailer I've seen yeah. all year. And a bad but, poster. But it's, it's Shane Black, though. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. It's got to be good. It just uh, has to be. Yeah. It, I mean, good's relative. You know, <laughs> and it, it's going to be it's going to be a giant Predator. That's yeah. all I know. <laughs> So I will be seeing it. But that should uh, be the name, Giant Predator, instead of The yeah, Predator. Yeah, no. I was like, we can just call it a Big Predator. You're going to get a lot more people in there. Um, but I can see that his his whole style is uh, is definitely Cohen influenced. But but he has his own twist on it. It like I said, it never feels overly uh, specific or overly you know um, in bad taste. You know, he's doing his own thing, and you can just kind of feel that he appreciates that vibe. Yeah. And the attention to detail is a huge one for me. It's one of the reasons I actually put it on there. Sure. And then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang also has like that crime, but funny, yeah. and a lot of interesting characters. So yeah, I mean, the crime comedy has almost now become Cohen. Yeah. You know, so everyone doing the crime comedy is almost, you know, owes a debt of gratitude to the Coens in general, but also the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Absolutely. Um... So, okay, I think, yeah, you'd be next. What would your next puzzle piece be? So my next one is a movie called In Bruges. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's um, a really excellent, excellent dark crime comedy. Um, it has kind of more of a European flavor. It's written by an Irish playwright mm-hmm. who then went on to do Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, yeah. which I think is very cohen Absolutely. Yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. I love that movie, but people have actually told me they, they don't like it because I think it's too cohen I've heard the exact <laughs> same criticism put at it, and it, that doesn't make any sense to me yeah, because I, it does it so well. Yeah, the movie is great. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, don't... I mean, the thing is, I, of course, get hung up on all kinds of stupid stuff, sure. so I, I try not to hold it against people when they give me totally insane reasons why not to... <laughs> I give the most insane reasons. Sure. You know, I'm like, what was he thinking in that one moment? I get all freaky out. Yeah, go crazy about it. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I feel like that filmmaker, um, he also did Seven Psychopaths and all that. I think there's I love a... too. Yeah, I, you know, Tom Waits was in it, so I'll watch it. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of Cohen influence, and I think in Bruges is probably uh, kind of like a kissing cousin to the Big Lebowski. There's something almost in its soul um, to where supreme craftsmanship funny story that kind of doubles back on itself crime related kind of a buddy it's a, it's a more of a buddy film than lebowski is mm. but what's interesting about lebowski is it also has a buddy element to it i mean nice guys is kind of a buddy film as sure. well but yeah. the whole walter and walter and uh and dude you yeah. know that even though they're not quite buddies all the time there's yeah. an element to it like where you know, there are a couple of kids getting into trouble why'd you have to leave donnie out oh it's true it, <laughs> I don't know. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Why does Walter leave him out? Yeah, right. No. Uh, I always love that with the Coens say they, they keep trying to come up with funny ways to kill Steve Buscemi. Yeah, that's I love my that. favorite. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of a heart attack. Just a heart attack in this one, but it's a lot better than a wood chipper, I guess. Yeah, right. Uh, but but yeah. So in Bruges, um, it's you know it's great dialogue. Yeah. Uh, very well structured. Uh, funny. 
Uh, and so there's just a lot in common with the Big Lebowski. I think it would definitely owe it a, a great debt. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so my next one, this is actually my last one that I have. Um, so this one, I said earlier that it was a movie I didn't like. Um, mm, but yeah. I, the reason why I wanted to mention it is because it's a 2018 movie. Oh. And so I just wanted to kind of you know, tie it up that there's still movies being inspired by the mm -hmm. Big Lebowski today. But uh, did you see Gringo? I did not see Gringo, no. It's, it's absolutely terrible. Not to be confused with Get the Gringo with Mel right. Gibson, right? Which was a little bit better. But, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, Gringo is so clearly a Big Lebowski-inspired movie. It's got the same kind of thing where there's all these characters that are, at least on paper, really funny, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah. really interesting. And they all, you know, tie up towards the end, you know, and, and they all have their own weird, you know, plots and past that they're going through and they all end up like really in impacting each other in weird ways it also has a uh one of the better aspects of it would i would say would be um the uh the way that it does at least try to balance a whole lot of different stories and mm -hmm. all that um but it just just doesn't work it kind of in the way uh what were you mentioning earlier that you were saying doesn't oh uh inherent vice yeah. just just doesn't quite work but this is to another degree i mean it just really wasn't very good <laughs> it's yeah. probably my least favorite movie i've seen this year oh, but uh, that being said uh you know i think it is cool that there's movies still being made that that try to do this kind of a thing because mm. it's such a it's such a fun thing to see on on screen when, when it's attempted it's definitely i I, I can't say that it's something that must be easy, you know, oh. to balance that many, no. yeah, that many threads. It must be really difficult. No, I think when I think of The Big Lebowski, I see it as an almost impossible film. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's stupefying that it exists and we get to watch it, like we said. Yeah. So to have anyone attempt it, I'd even give them credit for trying to attempt it. Exactly. You know, and the thing is, what we... I don't know if we necessarily forget it, but the thing that we should always remember about the Coens is how skilled of writers they are. Right, right. You know, we we get caught up in their style. We get caught up in how goofy or funny or unique their characters are. Uh, but in reality, they, they can write a script. They can execute a story. They understand their structure. You know, as a writer, I admire them on 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 the page what they're able to accomplish. They always talk about how George Clooney, for instance, their, their uh, common collaborator, um, he wants to uh, improvise sometimes. Yeah. And the Coens are like, okay, yeah, go ahead. And they're like, okay, well, can you try it this way? And can you try it this way? And eventually they get back to like, just say it how we wrote it. <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. And, uh, and it's a testament to them that most of the actors that work with them say, well, it's better on the page than anything I can add to it. And that's not always the case. Sometimes the a script is just a launching point and there's a million flaws in it. And then it takes the actors or the director to solve those problems throughout the process of making the film. So I think the, the Coens are so precise in their writing that the whole world's already there and sure. then you can go out and play. So another film like Gringo that maybe wants that vibe. Yeah. I mean, it might just start with a bad script or it might, you know, not being able to execute exactly. really that vision in its entirety, the way the Coens make it seem so effortless. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did just think of another puzzle piece, but it's your turn if you. Oh, perfect. Okay, one. I got a couple more actually, okay, so I, I'll cruise through them. The next one is going to be a movie called Brick. Oh, I loved Brick. Yeah, I, lo yeah. I really love Brick too. Um, and uh, of course, that's um, the, I don't know why I'm blanking on everyone's names, but uh, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, pardon me. Um, kind of his breakout yeah. movie. Um, Before you get into it, yeah. uh, just total aside. Did you see that? 
in response to the nerds who are trying to remake the last jedi <laughs> without women or whatever the hell it is that they want who knows yeah. uh some people are trying to remake brick but with characters from the last jedi <laughs> no i didn't yeah. know that well, you know, poor ryan johnson yeah i know because the thing is i, lo- I think he's great oh I think he he's is. one of our you know great young not necessarily young, you know good new directors young yeah. guy and uh, I love The Last Jedi. Oh, me too. Uh, it's probably because I don't give a shit about Star Wars <laughs> that I like yeah. it. And, uh, you know, people are like, oh, it's not Star Wars. It's like, it's already a toy company. Just shut up. Yeah, right. These aren't real movies, yeah. okay? These are toys. <laughs> so enjoy them. Who cares? Yeah. You know, what's the difference? Um, they've been shitty for like 30 years. Anyway. Um, so you know, I really liked Last Jedi. I thought it was fun. I thought it was cool. I liked that he went and was like, you know what? I'm not going to just make the new. I'm not going to just redo the New Hope or uh, a New Hope. Pardon me. The way that J.J. Abrams did because J.J. Abrams, you know, kind of rip off artist. Yeah. He just kind of does everyone else's style. But that and I know that that's satisfying on one level. But isn't it interesting that he took the in a new direction? Absolutely. And uh, and so I like him and I like Brick and I think he shared a lot of that um vision in brick yeah. i thought he showed it a lot in looper mm-hmm. and i'm a huge looper fan oh yeah me too yeah, if you haven't seen it go see looper it's insanely good um but brick has that kind of modern noir yeah that's really where i see it as a connection i know we got off on a tangent about last jedi yeah <laughs> i'm not sorry though yeah no, <laughs> no. absolutely I, i'm glad we did no. uh no but uh, just kidding all kidding aside it's, you know, it's a modern noir. Yeah. And I think that that is its biggest connection with Lebowski is that, again, it's a modern noir. Yeah. And noir is such a great, bizarre genre because it has all kinds of intrigue and sexy women and, mm-hmm. and unsolved aspects, you know, kind of this hard-edged main character customarily, yeah. but that doesn't really understand everything about the world that they're operating in. Yes, yes. So the the elements of noir lend themselves brilliantly to the coens and their sensibilities but a film like brick uh could take an update make it an update make it you know really interesting and and uh, i like that film a lot and i can definitely see it being connected or at least inspired by lebowski oh absolutely yeah, yeah i think i think it's a really really good one uh i'm actually surprised i didn't think about it because that was a movie <laughs> that i uh I haven't seen it in a few years, but um, I used to like always make people watch it like all the time. Oh, wow. I, I love that movie. One of those yeah. movies. Yeah, I have movies like that. Yeah. I've like I've seen it t- like fifteen times because I've yeah. just shown everyone I know. Yeah, yeah. I only know fifteen people, so yeah, there you <laughs> go. That's a good, that's a good number, though. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, so my next puzzle piece is uh, movies with great classic rock soundtracks. Oh, cool! Yeah. So that is. Uh, one of my favorite soundtracks, like oh, not yeah. score, but just Kenny Rogers oh. just dropped in. Yeah. Bob so Dylan, Dylan. Like that mid Dylan career yep. song. So good. Yeah. Credence. Credence, <laughs> man. Yep. Any yep. luck on getting the credence back? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so good. Papers, but... just business, business papers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a, uh, a thing that I think kind of, uh, has become like a really big thing lately. I mean, guardians of the galaxy did it, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a lot of movies where that is is like it kind of lends it a um, uh, a little bit of a like a cool factor, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, like Wes Anderson vibe. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Wes Anderson kind of goes a little more. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, yeah. but uh, you know, kind of folky. You know, yeah. But, but this is more like a little more rock and classic yeah, rock, rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. So, but. Uh, no, yeah, that, I think that's something that's happened a lot since the Big Lebowski, and that's got to be a uh, 
a movie that's inspired so many people. So I think the soundtrack absolutely as well. Yeah, no, that's the thing is another great, you know, it's great to have the perspective of looking back on their career now that's been 20 years. Like, I think, again, someone like Quentin Tarantino, again, not one of my favorite people, but mm-hmm. sometimes I think he relies too heavily on his soundtracks to kind of get, you know, kind of like motivate a scene or to kind of give the scene energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm always worried. I'm like, is it overpowering? But then you can look at a film like No Country for Old Men and there's no music at all. Yeah. And so I don't think the Cohen, I think the Coens really were using a scalpel with the, with uh, the, the music choices and it was appropriate for that world and that yes. film. And they weren't, I don't think it ever relied on the music. I think right. it was an atmospheric choice that worked brilliantly. Yeah. So and you can, you, you can see it right there. They, they could use it with it and without it. Yeah. And it's almost to an equal brilliance. Well, it fits different. so well with the characters too. Right. Because, yeah. You know, that, that this like burnout dude in the nineties, <laughs> that's of course what he did. I hate the to. fucking Eagles. Yeah. I never did like the Eagles actually myself. So no. I love that line so much when I heard it. <laughs> yeah. I love, I think that's such an interesting tidbit that, he hates the Eagles. Yeah. I love that about him. Because I, I feel like he'd be an Eagle guy. Right. And right. it's the, the fact that he just whips it out and it's such a classic line. They kick him out of the cab. That's one of those magic pieces of their script. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it happens right after dialogue that still befuddles me, which is like, get out of Malibu. Get out of my little beach, my quiet beach community. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I quote that constantly. Stay out of Malibu, deadbeat. Yeah. So I mean, just the, how do you write that? Yeah. It's so good <laughs> and, and hilarious. So, yeah, so no. Um, yeah, I hate the fucking Eagles is a great line. Nah, great so line. <laughs> but that's a really cool one. Yeah. All right. So I'll do, you know, I'm going to do one. I'm going to do. Uh, here's an interesting puzzle piece. There's a little twist on, on a puzzle piece okay. because I actually haven't seen the movie. Okay. So here's a puzzle piece that I'm pulling straight out of my ass. Okay. Um, it's called Solo. A Star Wars story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Now, hear me out on this. Um, so, I, I was just reading. I was reading about the Lebowski in the twenty years. You know, I was just reading about how it's been. Uh, now it's going to be put back into theaters. And I actually found an article about uh, an interview with some of the filmmakers and writers and things, uh, part of the film. And they were talking about how the Big Lebowski was an influence on the film. And I said, well, how the hell would that be? I, you Interesting. Know. Yeah, exactly. And they just happened to mention that this kind of innocent character in a way, kind of a Han Solo would be like the, would be like the Lebowski, uh-huh. kind of enters a world of crime that he doesn't fully understand. Sure. And that, that, the, uh, that the story, that he's kind of out of his depth and yeah. that the film itself is the most off-kilter of the whole Star Wars Star Wars franchise, that it's kind of the most kind of fun and strange little you know ugly step twin of of the franchise, and that it was kind of deliberately inspired by Lebowski, and that Chewie was Walter, which I thought was bizarre. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't see it. I haven't seen the movie. But yeah. I have no idea how that's a thing. Yeah. But that's right from some of the creators of the film. So there you go. So maybe if you guys who are listening yeah. have seen Star Wars. A, a solo, a Star Wars story. Right. Maybe say, maybe confirm or deny this in comments. That is interesting. I did see it. Um, what do you I, think? I did not like the movie. Let's put it that way. It's, it's wow. Yeah. I, after Last Jedi, I was actually for the first time in my life looking forward to another Star Wars movie, and it <laughs> yeah. kind of let me down. But um, it's interesting. I have to think about that. Because uh, I mean, it is. You know, it does have that thing of lots of characters and lots of little plots that all tie together. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I could certainly see that. I could certainly see that aspect, but um, 
That's an interesting one. Yeah, I, really? I didn't really think about that. Yeah, I actually, I mean, that's the thing. I, I wasn't going to say anything because obviously I haven't seen the movie, but I thought mm -hmm. that this was actually an interesting topic. Can we maybe get some feedback from some of the listeners yeah. if they confirm or deny this theory? I love that. Yeah. yeah so why not post that on the Twitter? Yeah, why not? Yeah. What up. do you think? Is there is there a weird connection between Solo and Big Lebowski? Yeah. I'm going to go see, I'm going to see the movie now. Yeah. I've been kind of meaning to it. I just, I just didn't get a chance, mm. but I'd like to maybe see if I can draw those parallels. That's cool. Yeah. I like that so you have any more can i i, I do not have any more so yeah i got away. two left okay? okay so we'll keep it brief the next one is going to be confessions of a dangerous mind okay okay which is going to be the george clooney film that was written by charlie kaufman yes and was kind of hijacked by uh clooney right. uh, according to kaufman yeah uh and i'm a big charlie kaufman fan and oh, a big admirer yeah. um and i guess i think it's because and like i said we don't have to dwell on it i just get a sense that it was inspired by it's kind of kind of a rock and roll spirit, like you mentioned in a way. There was kind of like this kind of rock attitude mm. a little bit in Lebowski. And I think the fast editing, the kind of um it's kind of like a showier version of a Lebowski story. Right. It's kind of all these weird, you know, uh story plot elements that are twisting on themselves and we don't really know who everyone is and how they factor in and we don't have all the pieces. And I think it's just kind of like a sexed up version. I think maybe Clooney was kind of going for like his Lebowski. And yeah. uh, I'm sure that um, that Charlie Kaufman is an admirer of the Coens, I imagine. But he is such a fresh, unique voice that I don't think right. he could ever really be anything other than himself. Yes. And so I think like the originality of the, the base script merged with the style and the, and the sleekness of a Clooney yeah. somehow kind of got this weird. And because he's a collaborator of the Coens so sure. often. Yeah, I think absolutely. he's, you know. He made the the dreadful Suburbicon, yeah. which I think was one of the worst movies of last year. Yeah, this was terrible, horrible yeah. movie. I, I was actually angered by it. Yeah. Um, and that was partially Cohen by the, written by the Coens. Yeah, it was actually supposed to be their next movie, I think, after No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yeah. And they tossed it over to the Clunes. Yeah, and uh, he destroyed it. <laughs> he really and did. He just took I, a piss I, on I it. I don't know how that happens because yeah. it looked like it was going to be. Good. Yeah, and the thing is, besides Good Night and Good Luck, I wouldn't trust that man behind a, <laughs> yeah. a camera. Get, do, he shouldn't direct anything. I I don't think he should be sexy yeah <laughs> steal stuff from the bellagio and call it a day do we need you making big comments about civil rights yeah while matt damon's murdering people in front of his kids i don't think so what a weird movie. i hated it and i kind of hate <laughs> george clooney for it i, mean, I think I know. He, he certainly lost a few points let's put it I, was, I walked out furious but anyway but then i and i kind of see this as like i kind of see a, um, confession of a dangerous mind or confessions of a dangerous mind as like a dry run up to Suburbicon. It's a better film. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's still pretty fun. Yeah. Even though I'm kind of heartbroken that Charlie Kaufman has such a terrible experience on I know, it. Me too. Because uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're both big Charlie Kaufman oh, fans. Yeah. And so like, I want to see the Kaufman script. I want to see that film, yeah. but it's still a fairly enjoyable movie uh, if you can step away from it. And I think there's a lot of the directorial influence from the Coens on it. Yeah. And so I thought it kind of made sense that it was almost like a, a Clooney stab at a Cohen film. That makes sense, too, to uh, to include Clooney as a director on this list, even though he hasn't had a great track record. Yeah. But uh, as being a frequent collaborator of the Coens, I'm sure they rubbed off on him in so many ways. I'm sure. Yeah, where um, he's just kind of trying to step out on his own and do what they do. But yeah. Not exactly didn't, didn't, landing it exactly. Not quite. Yeah. Not great. Sorry, George. Yeah. You're super hot and you're yeah. great and everything. So just... and you're great in Clooney movies. Yeah. In uh, Cohen movies. So. Yeah. You're. That's the thing yeah. is, I, I, I was gonna say, just stop directing. Yeah. 
and stop playing Batman. Yeah. Don't ever do that again. Yeah. And everything that's, else is gravy, though. There. Everything <laughs> else is gravy. He's yeah. been excellent. Everything else. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then my, okay, so then my last one, this is it. I kind of wanted to add this because it's, it's a weird little movie that not enough people have seen. Okay. And it's called Leaves of Grass. And it's a Tim Blake Nelson film. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you see this one? I've never seen it. I always wanted to. So it was good. one that I wanted to see. Ex- truly a great, great film. And, yeah. I, you know, and Tim Blake Nelson is an interesting character. He makes a lot of great movies, actually. Um, although I don't agree with his politics in, sure. in, in yeah. real life, he's still a great filmmaker. You have to just admit it. Um, and uh, Leaves of Grass stars um, uh, What's-His-Face. Um Norton, Edward yeah, Norton, Edward Norton, yeah. Edward Norton. In, a, in a kind of a kind of a genius dual performance as twins. He yeah. plays both characters and it's kind of there's like a, a kind of a pot, you know, marijuana storyline. And it's again, it's kind of like a dark crime comedy, um, but very, very Coheny, mm-hmm. but with the, with just the bright voice of Tim Blake Nelson behind it as a writer and as, as a storyteller. And then led truly by a, a transfixing uh, dual performance by Edward Norton. So it's kind of like these very talented original people, and they're in this kind of in a Cohen world. Sure. So the the world itself, just the feeling, the atmosphere, the characters, the sub the the subject matter, uh, is something that I think the Coens could have easily tackled and done brilliantly themselves. But sure, Tim Tim did a great job making that movie so it's a little tiny movie it's kind of hard to find or see i mean it's out there i'm sure on the internet and stuff so yeah if you get an opportunity to watch leaves the grass it's it's a truly great little gem it was in my netflix dvd queue for a long time oh wow yeah. <laughs> shame on you for not getting it i know it's no terrible. no you would have you would have loved it so yes we should t- watch it and we'll talk about it all right i'll, I'll sure. see solo yes okay <laughs> uh i actually did just think of one more go hit me yeah the Harold and Kumar series. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah, talking sure. about weed, weed made me think about it. Yeah. yeah for um, sure. Lots of characters. It goes all over the place. Lots of weaving storylines yeah. and a lot of weed. Yeah, it's um, true. Yeah. I was actually just thinking while you were talking about that, I was like, we didn't talk about a lot of weed movies. Like there's Inherent Vice. Uh, Gringo is actually a weed movie. but. Okay. We didn't talk about a lot of weed movies. And, uh, you know, Lebowski is kind of a stoner hero. And, That's true. We didn't know, really kind of touch on it, but yeah, he's kind of, yeah, stoner here is a good way to put it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think pretty much any stoner movie that's come since, <laughs> they probably were big fans of, you know. Yeah. Cause I can't Lebowski. really, and this is might just be my age showing, but I can't really remember or think of any films before Lebowski where they really had a pothead as the, as like the main character. Sure. I mean, other than Cheech and Chong. Sure. But, yeah. I mean, of yeah, course. Yeah. Other than that, but yeah. And, and, but, and, you know, Cheech and Chong is such an outright comedy. Sure. But to think exactly. of like a semi-serious. Right. Exactly. Or artful film. I don't really remember. I mean, yeah. again, like half baked came out, I think the same year, but that, again, different, <laughs> yeah. different entire. Different. Yeah. But I to have like, though. yeah, I mean, half baked's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Abba Zabby, my only friend. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, I want to quote again. There I'm trying go. to resist my quote urge. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, but yeah, no, they, uh, I think I can't really place it, but I mean, to have the, the sweeping success of Fargo mm-hmm. and then to have the courage to make your next movie to star kind of a burnout. Yeah. Right. Is it kind of, again, it kind of a, uh, has a, a courage about it. Yeah. Definitely walking a line of being subversive. Yeah. Um, there's always, what I like, what kind of what I like about the Coens is they never, never, they never feel like they're going for offensive or subversive, but they always end up kind of being offensive and subversive, subversive. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. You know, they don't never, they never feel like they're reaching 
uh, outside of their world or their story uh, to make a great artistic point. The film's always first. Yeah. And I think that's the sign of a great craftsman and a, a true storyteller. They're not trying to make political films. And yet the little ideas and controversial you know, aspects feed into the become uh, the kind of the core of their films. Sure. You know, or, or for instance, like even a serious man is the story of Job from the Bible. Right. So they right. take these, they take these, you know, these very legendary rooted, you know, really baked into our brains, these classical stories, and then they reinvent them in very dark, funny, modern ways. Yeah. And, and there tends to be some kind of muggy criticism about the, the text that they're, uh, reinventing, but there it's never clear enough for for us to really get a sense of like what they feel yeah. or what they're saying, you know. And I like that. I like that. I don't have to be beat over the head with their philosophy, and yeah. yet I feel its presence. Right. You know, I can kind of I can still think for myself, and they end up being just as irreverent yeah. as you know someone maybe as as um, you know, over the top as some of the newer directors. It's a beautiful freaking thing, man. <laughs> How they strike that balance is really hard. Again, they're kind of magic directors. Yeah. And even their worst film is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so. So that brings us to the uh, finished puzzle, which this being the first uh, episode of Breaking It Apart, not quite sure how I'm going to. Uh, it's probably not the finished puzzle. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we continue. But uh, it's the boxed <laughs> puzzle in the closet. There you go. The puzzle <laughs> boxed up in the closet on the top shelf. Um, so the uh, the pieces that we've got here are inherent vice. Uh, oh brother, where out that? Where art thou? And I'm going to add in inside Lewin Davis as well. Uh, in Bruges, Brick, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Great Classic Rock Soundtracks, Observe and Report, The Nice Guys, Gringo, Leaves of Grass, and the Harold and Kumar series. Yeah, that's, that's a good puzzle yeah. right there. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. um, the Big Lebowski is such a hugely influential movie, I think. I mean, it. there's a lot of range to these movies that we described here. I mean, they all have certain things flowing through them, but they still... They still seem to go off in a lot of different directions, a lot of different genres, and um, it's it's cool to see that this movie can have such a long life and do the whole cult thing and everything, and still end up so um, so you know influential. Yeah, and the thing we should really say is that it's so funny. It is. You know, I mean, it really I, is. I mean, I've been watching it since 1998, and yeah. it is hilarious. It really I mean, it's so. It, I enjoy watching it more and more every time, and the little nuances of some of the jokes become funnier and funnier. There's so many little things that yeah. you just would never pick, things you'd never pick up on your own without reading them somewhere and some, <laughs> right. you know, like that, but then things that you just pick up anyway. Like, yeah. There's just so many layers to it, so many levels. It's like... I, I can almost compare it to like walking into your house when it's dark mm -hmm. and you know exactly where the light switch is. Yeah. That's that's kind of what this movie feels like. Is like there's a million little things in the room, and you walk into the movie, and you just kind of get a feel for the whole world so clearly, and, and it's so enjoyable to watch. You know, yeah. I feel sometimes like cult movies, people just put up with them right. for their yeah. They have they love it, but do they really love like watching it? Like right. I think Lebowski is so wonderful to watch. It you is. can just it's very watchable. And I think the main thing that really ties all these movies together is that there's kind of one central person that kind of wanders through the world. Uh, and faces all kinds of maybe slightly more philosophical things than maybe your average action at star would wander through. Maybe the rock in skyscraper wandered through fewer philosophical dilemmas sure. than the characters that are in this list of films. <laughs> so yeah, there's kind of, I think the things that connect them are more cerebral and, and philosophical. All these movies have a little bit of a, a vibe like that to them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
and like you said just so funny <laughs> so funny <laughs> i yeah. i'm i'm looking forward like i said at the beginning we're, we're timing this episode uh with the uh fathom events uh 20th anniversary screenings and uh this episode will go up the day before the last set of screenings so uh you know absolutely if you're listening to this make sure you go to a theater and check it out yeah um because with an audience i mean it's great to watch at home alone as well sure. this for many years was my sick movie um this, <laughs> yeah. this and groundhog's day okay. um but uh also in a in a crowd or with friends or whatever it's just such a great experience yeah i agree and if also even for those people who maybe don't get it quote unquote yeah and maybe you didn't like it maybe try it again yeah there's something really endearing about it, and it was a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. So depending on when you saw it, it might have given you, like, maybe rubbed you the wrong way or you're a little confused. But it's a fun, unique film, and, yeah, I would definitely give it another shot because there's it's real gold there. You could really mine a lot yeah. of a lot of great stuff in there. even if you're not laughing as much as everybody else um in the theater <laughs> there's probably going to be little bits and pieces that you'll find yeah you just know? like philip seymour hoffman's brilliant performance is brent <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's marvelous <laughs> i uh, <laughs> yeah that is like my favorite line of that movie yeah so just the the fleeting little performance of philip seymour hoffman is worth every dime that you'd pay <laughs> <laughs> so i guess uh i guess to close this thing up um you know <laughs> And I might even cut this out. I don't know. But uh, I just thought of it right now, though. There's been so much talk of um, sequels and spinoffs. Oh, like, geez. remember the Jesus spinoff that John Turturro is supposed oh, to be Oh, yeah. Making? Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, do you think we're ever going to see anything like that? I hope not. Yeah, I yeah. hope not, too. Yeah. Like, just leave it's, it alone. It's its own thing. Mm -hmm. it, it exists. It's like this magic bubble. It's like... Yeah, the thing is, I don't want... I you know, and, and I could be totally wrong here because I've heard it's great. But I don't want to watch Better Call Saul. Because, you know, Breaking Bad's, I mean, I heard it's great, and yeah. I'm not saying it's not, but I just have no interest in watching it, because Breaking Bad seems so like a singular moment in TV history, yeah. and it is, again, a world unto itself. I don't want to go back there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want it's, it, you know. I'm going to tell you right now, I agree 100% on Big Lebowski, but you've got to watch Better, Better Call. Call. Okay, it's all right, so okay, good. okay. It's I, will, so good. I will, then I will put my guard down, and I'll yeah, give it a you shot. you got to watch it. But yeah, Jesus spinoff, like, why? <laughs> yeah. How could that plausibly so be good and the other thing is i didn't even i haven't even watched the fargo show so oh, maybe really? i have weird hang-ups that it's no one else's problem but mine fargo's amazing way really good than, show way better than better call saul even wow yeah I okay mean, yeah fargo is so good and it's its own thing it's yeah. complete like that's the thing like it, it doesn't like just like it rest on it being fargo like, oh, that's good it, it's yeah, its yeah. own thing completely. good okay yeah. all right well then yeah i maybe i should just put these little bugaboos away and sure and give it a shot i, I want to watch everything there's right? a lot to watch so i mean you'll probably yeah. get to it one day but, okay uh, yeah <laughs> right. it's on my list now I'll, I'll i'll take it more seriously awesome but yeah there's something yeah don't 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 betray the lebowski no that that can't happen even the way it ended was so this again i don't want to ramble i know we're trying to wrap it up here but just essentially there's something so almost melancholy about the ending of lebowski oh i know with the death of donnie and then, then the stranger, you know, Sam Elliott's rich voice and, you know, uh, with Towns Van Zant on the soundtrack, taking us out to a cover of, of Dead Flowers or yes. Dead, was it Dead, Dead Roses or Dead Flowers by the Rolling Stones? Right. There's something so almost comforting and sad and beautiful about that ending that's like, I, that's how it should always be. I feel like it's almost kind of a perversion if we go back and, 
and open up the more doors there. It's like, it, it's perfect. Leave it the alone. dude's out there taking her easy for us sinners. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's <laughs> abiding for us all. We all know a dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, you know, so yeah. No, it's, I would definitely be hesitant to watch a spinoff, but you never know. Sure. Well, uh, Chris, this was great. Um, anything you want to plug before we uh, close it up? Sure, of course, as always. So we're doing, uh, we're actually taking one month off this month for Cinemondays, which is my usual weekly free movie screening at the Sci-Fi Center with my partner in crime, Vivian Martin. We show a free movie every Monday night. Uh, this month of August, we will be taking off. We'll be dark, but then starting at September, we'll be back up every single Monday with a free film. Um, I'm also currently working on a web series called It's All Downhill From Here. We're in production now. We are shooting episodes and every week to kind of build a following and to keep you guys interested, we're releasing a comic strip that is related to the show and it's me versus God. Yes. And yeah. And so if you want to uh, basically watch me whine about religion uh, in a small cartoon version of myself, uh, <laughs> it's called, it's all downhill, all downhill from here. Uh, you can go to a website, www.itsalldownhillfromhere.tv and you can subscribe and get the weekly comic. You can see all of our back comics, watch the promotional commercials for the show that's coming. And hopefully in about six months, the show will be available for free. And it'll be a new episode every week. So that's what I'm working on. Awesome. I'm looking forward to the series and I've been following along the cartoons. And they're oh, great. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> a lot of 13 year olds on Instagram don't love it. Okay. But... <laughs> All right. Well, I, I've, I've, know your audience. Yeah, I've <laughs> learned that like 18 to 40 is my target audience. But okay. no, but yeah, it's a, it's a really, I'm having a ball making it. The comic is extremely fun. I get to uh, gripe and complain, which I always love doing and hopefully bring some laughter to some other people as well. So yeah, that we're on Instagram as well. Uh, besides our website so you can go to uh it's all downhill from here.tv on instagram as well perfect awesome well thanks man for having me i appreciate it absolutely thanks again for being here no problem are you addicted to classic tv shows did you spend the 80s sitting in front of the boob tube then join us for TV Tangents, where we examine television of the 20th century with barely any contemporary context. Visit Shout Engine, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts and look for TV Tangents. All right. So how did you like that? The first ever Breaking It Apart episode of Piecing It Together on The Big Lebowski. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, like I said, it's something that we're hoping to do a lot more of. We've got like a pretty big list of classic films that we think would make for really great episodes of this. Um, but please let us know what you thought. You could tweet at us at PiecingPod, or you could email me directly by David Rosen at gmail.com. You could also join in on our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group where you can just uh, let us all know what you thought of this. Um, we, we would love to get you guys involved. Speaking of getting involved, uh, two quick things. First of all, Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, did, what did you think of Chris's uh, suggestion that it was inspired by uh, the Big Lebowski? Did you think that's a, a good one? Um, I maybe kind of see it. Like I said, I got to really think about that one a little bit. What do you guys think? And also a little shout out to Adam Wells, who is in uh, an old friend of mine. He's in the uh, Piecing It Together Facebook group. And he had just mentioned Observe and Report the other day, which was total coincidence because it was absolutely on my mind. Um, but he brought it up 
just out of the blue. And so I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Um, but I hope you guys get joined in on that group. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple podcasts, on pocket casts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. You can rate and review us. You can follow us on social media at piecing pod. And one last thing, make sure to check out the big Lebowski in theaters on Wednesday, August 8th. If you're listening to this, when it goes up, that's tomorrow. So, uh, you still got time to get tickets. It also played, uh, this past weekend as well as part of this whole 20th, uh, anniversary thing, but check out fathomevents.com where you can get tickets. Um, I'm planning on going. Uh, I think Chris is actually going to uh, meet me there for the showing. So that'll be awesome. We'll, uh, have a little breaking it apart reunion. Um, but, uh, with that said, I think we'll bring this episode to a close. Uh, I'm going to leave you some music actually before I do that. So one more quick thing I'll mention, uh, my new virtual reality music video, Palindrome 360. It is out now on YouTube. It's out now on Samsung VR on little star and on Veer TV, which speaking of Veer, they made us the featured video of the day the other day. And it racked up like well over a thousand plays in a day and then ended up in like the top 10 virtual reality videos, like right along with like Star Wars and it virtual reality videos. Pretty freaking awesome. Uh, I hope you guys all check it out. If you've got virtual reality headsets, if you don't, I'm hoping on doing some events soon where I'm going to be able to demo it for everybody. So yeah, I, if you do have one, make sure you check it out. Palindrome 360. Uh, we'll be promoting it a bunch in the uh, coming weeks. But I'm going to leave you with a piece of my music. And with that, we'll be back really soon with the next regular Piecing It Together. And hopefully really soon with another Breaking It Apart because this was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening.
and All Points West. <laughs>